0: A warm
1: and friendly hello. Welcome to Lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Podcast. Myself, Greg Peterson. We've got a great podcast for you. Going to be a little bit of a short in one since we've only got one game on the betting board for today and we've got nothing to recap. But with that said... We're still going to have a good time of it. Jason Rideways does a terrific job with SBR, AK Sportsbook Review, along with the Game Day MLB. Does some work for Odds Checker U.S. as well. He's going to be joining me in the second segment. We're going to be looking at Yankees-Red Sox for the Thursday. We're also going to be just getting his thoughts on the second half of the season, some of the things that he might be looking for, perhaps a couple teams to fade, a couple teams to... Maybe bet on a little bit more often the second part of the season, teams that could ascend slash decline. So, we're going to get his take there. And then in the final segment, going to give you guys a side turtle on every game on the betting board for this Thursday, which is one in a little something I like to call it, touch of all. First things first, always love to be able to answer your Twitter questions on this podcast. You're able to send these in one of two ways. First one is by Twitter timeline at your scorety one. Keep in mind, letters EM, they mean does not matter. So, as per usual, send these into the timeline. Other ways, find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. Them from there, you're able to send your questions, comments, segment ideas, what have you, into there. Did not wind up getting in any Twitter questions today. I know that many of you guys appreciated the little roundup of Betting trends I wound up doing on the podcast. Yesterday, if you're looking for things that I spotlighted that had been very profitable in the first half of the season, I wound up doing that on the podcast yesterday. So search the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson, seven I've got everything time marked and everything for you, so you are all good to go there. But I will just advise one thing here in the first segment, and it is that I have been talking a lot about fading a lot of these bad teams like the Arizona Diamondbacks. The Colorado Rockies when they're out there on the road and this is going to be by a larger strategy that I'm going to use. I just always want to Reiterate: do not blindly bet anything whatsoever, even though I'm going to be betting against the Arizona Diamondbacks a lot. I mentioned it on the podcast yesterday. If you have bet against the Arizona Diamondbacks on the money line every single game this season, you're up over $3,000. But with that said, there are going to be probably some opportunities in which you're going to be able to make some money on the Arizona Diamondbacks. Like, for example, in four of the last five starts that Merrill Kelly has made, the Arizona Diamondbacks have actually won the game. If you're looking at getting Merrill Kelly at good plus money, Money, there might be a little bit of an opportunity there. If John Means winds up going off the injured list for the Baltimore Orioles, you might be able to get a little bit of an opportunity there. And then when you wind up having something like the Colorado Rockies out the road against the years of denying backs, it's a good old situation of something's got to give for one of those poopy teams. The Colorado Rockies, poopy on the road, very good at home. Here's the Nine Max. They just stink anywhere that they are on this planet. So there are those scenarios as well. So just a little bit of a PSA as to never blindly bet anything. Now, there are going to be a lot of times in which a starter, a team, they just don't fit with the handicap that you have on them. So you wind up being on the opposite side of that. And that's perfectly fine. Happens with me all the time, especially in the MLB season and college basketball, what have you. Just don't be like, oh, the Arizona Diamondbacks, I can't even take them if they're plus 1,500 against the Colorado Rockies while they're hosting them or anything like that. So just don't fall into that trap. So little bit of a message there. I'm sure that Jason is going to be dropping some good knowledge on us in the second segment. We're going to be talking with him about what he's going to be looking for the second half of the season. We're also going to be chatting Yankees versus Red Sox on the other side right here on the Baseball Betting Podcast with myself, Greg Peterson.
0: Greg is calling in a pinch hitter from the Overtime Network Hotline.
1: And we're back here in Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting
0: Podcast. Myself,
1: Craig Peterson. It is great to be joined by our guest as Jason Reitowitz does terrific work over there with SBR, a.k.a. Sportsbook Review. Monday through Friday, you're able to catch his show. A couple lean days this week because, well, we just haven't had a lot of baseball this week with the All-Star Game and the Home Run Derby going on, so Little bit of much needed R and R for our man Jason. He also does some great work with odds, checker, US, the game day, M L B and Beyond Baseball. He does a great job handicapping all forms of football, college basketball. List goes on and on. And to follow Jason on Twitter, you're able to do so at Jason underscore radowitz. Last name is spelled R-A-D-O-W-I-T-Z. And Jason, great to have you aboard. Thank you.
2: Yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, you said I had a little bit of a break, but to be honest, I really didn't take any breaks. I just continued to keep working. Even had a home run derby prop that I hit. I didn't have an all-star game bet, but uh, behind the scenes, I had put a little bit of money on American League. So still doing baseball, still going crazy, even when there's no games.
1: Yep. And I do think that these last few days have been nice and to a lesser extent today, because you've only got one game that you really need to handicap. And as we're doing this podcast, we have no idea who's going to be going for the New York Yankees. So not a lot of capping going on right now. And what I think is nice is just looking back at the first half of the season, seeing what wound up going well, what wound up not going so well, and things that, you think might dry up a little bit. I don't know about you, but I've been taking these last few days just to take a look at what's really real with what we've seen and what we think might wind up drying up, even though it was profitable. Like, I take a look at the Seattle Mariners. Five games above 500 with a negative 50 run differential. Something's got to give. Either their run differential needs to get kicked into gear or they're going to start regressing. That's the way that I'm taking a look at something like that. You take a look at some of the most slash least profitable starting pitchers out there in the big leagues. And I think that that's important too, because I think so often we get lost in the just allure of low ERAs, high strikeout numbers. And sometimes the most profitable guys are guys with like a 3 5 ERA, but they just wind up getting the right matchup on the right day.
2: Yeah, that's exactly the case. And it could be an interesting the second half of the season. I think there's going to be some teams where. We expected them to be really good I think they kind of show out, kind of like the Yankees, for example. We'll see what they do. They trade deadline. Like you talked about the Mariners, that's the biggest one. They looked really good this year. They win the close games and they get rocked when they lose. But like we always say, you know, if you lose twenty to one, it's just a loss, one loss. So it doesn't matter how you lose, how you win, as long as you win, as long as you lose. Even the Mets, for example, they don't really score too many runs. Their mainly their pitching has been it's kept them in games so you got the Mets in first place and they've held first place in the at least throughout the entire season for the most part just due to their pitching not from their hitting at all at the end of the day it matters how you win them and that you win them it doesn't matter beyond that and that's what the Mariners so far have done they've won those close games and they've lost some really bad games but it still counts as just one loss
1: it's the same way in sports betting as well if you wind up betting on Say the Yankees, for example, on the money line, and they wind up losing two to one. It counts the same whether they lose two to one or if they lose twenty seven to one. It's still just one loss. So, point well taken there. As we do have Jason Redwich joining me on the podcast, and I brought up the Seattle Mariners as a team that I do think is going to tail off a little bit towards back half of the season. And when I just take a look at the landscape of baseball in general, I do think that looking at how these teams want to performing and late June slash early July, is going to be a little bit of a barometer that I'm going to use coming out of the All-Star break. And I take a look at the Cincinnati Reds, a team that is currently four games out of the NL Central lead. They've got a huge series coming up with the Milwaukee Brewers. So if they're able to take two out of three, three out of three, all of a sudden you've got a very good hunt that is going to be going down there. Not necessarily a futures guy. I'm more of a game-by-game better personally. But I take a look at this series. I think that it's very critical for the – Cincinnati Reds, and we're really gauge them moving forward because if they wind up taking two out of three or three out of three, you've got to think that they're going to be buyers at the trade deadline. And this is a team that they are the only team in baseball right now that's eight or two or better in their last ten games. And I think that this might be a case of a team getting hot at just the right time.
2: Yeah, you know the big story was their bullpen earlier this season, and it still hasn't been great. You know, let's be real. As of late, during that win streak, while they've been playing the last ten days or so. They've been better. Yeah, they're gonna to have to go out. You know, if they're gonna go in the trade deadline, they're gonna to have to go out and get some bullpen arms. They need that to succeed. But they have a lot of hitting in that lineup. Lefties, righties, doesn't matter. they to get hit. They do have some platoon guys like Naquin and Aquino. If you want an outfielder here and there, the righties. So they also have two great catchers in Stevenson and Barnhart. They can platoon guys. They can give guys breaks. They can stack, you know, against lefties. They can, you know, stack against righties and Put Naquin in and other kind of lefties like Akiyama. They're a talented team offensively. They'll be fine offensively. Obviously, we saw Winker and Cassianos. Those two guys are obviously, you know, the two top hitters in the in the NL. But it's the bullpen that they're really going to have to address. And maybe a starting pitcher, like they had Bauer last year. They don't have him this year. They could probably use him starting pitching. Miley's looked a lot better than I think most of us expected. And even Miley has performed. But that's what they'll have to address. And I think at this time, That's what
1: they'll do. I do think so as well with the Cincinnati Reds with Luis Castillo looking so much better now than he did at the first half of the season. I think that that's really helping them out. If they're able to get T.J. Antone off the injured list, I feel like he's one of the more underrated bullpen pieces really in all of baseball. So it's going to be really interesting to see what happens with the Reds because, like I said, if they win two out of three or if they wind up sweeping the series, all of a sudden you've got to think that they're going to be buying at the trade deadline. If they wind up going 0-3 or 1-3, they still have a chance to be buyers, but... No question that would be hurting them a little bit. As we do, have Jason Bradowitz joining me on the podcast. And I know that we're both guys that we don't necessarily do a lot of futures, but I do think that when it comes to the futures market right now, it's important to be gauging just what you're seeing on social media, what you're seeing with reports right now from guys like Jeff Passett and company. If you're looking for a team to really back, you think that they might wind up getting back, into a divisional race like I just mentioned the Cincinnati Reds maybe a team like the Tampa Bay Rays where game and a half out tried to take a plus price on them to win the division I think that's so important to gauge if they're going to be buyers or sellers because I know that reports wound up coming out a few days before the all-star break that the Cubs are going to be sellers obviously if you have faith that the Cubs are going to be coming back and winning the NL Central those should be pretty much put on the kibosh mm-hmm. at this point I do think that that's just so critical and just gauging who's going to be out there in general because the sizzle amount that you get if say Max Scherzer is going to be out there on the trade market, which I personally think he is not going to be, that is going to change things a whole heck of a lot more. Whereas if your top pitcher is say Matthew Boyd, who can give you some innings, but at the same time, he's probably not going to be lifting a team over the top.
2: I agree with you on Scherzer. I think he ends up staying. I mean, at the end of the day, Washington, they're just six games out. So the end East. It's really anyone's division at this point outside the Marlins. Then you go to the Cubs. Yeah, I think the Cubs are going to be sellers. And if the Cubs are sellers, what does that make the Cardinals? That's the big question because they went out they get Arenado. Now they're 44 and 46, below 500. For the lineup, then, like on paper, looks so much better than it really is. And it's funny because like, the Cubs, they're probably going to be sellers, like you said. But the Cardinals, at the same record, they're probably going to be buyers. They're probably like, okay, well, this is our time to shine. We have Arenado. We have Goldschmidt in their prime although they haven't performed like it they're gonna to have to you know maybe do some damage at the trade deadline too which will be really weird to see the Cubs saying okay we're gonna gut it but the Cardinals saying we're gonna go for it that will be really weird and then obviously the NL West that's gonna be really fun but Rockies and the Diamondbacks are gonna be two teams that will sell there and then also the other division I was like talking about the AL Central Minnesota they've got so much talent on that team. So let's see, do they gut it here and say, okay, let's start over? Or do they come back and say, okay, we'll have in back next year. We'll add a couple pieces and we'll be right back into contention next year. And they keep everybody. That's a big question. I don't know if we'll get the answer until the deadline comes. But the Twins, they have so much talent on that roster. They can get so many good prospects if they do choose to get rid of some of their players. That's the more interesting team that I'm trying to see if they're going to be sellers or they're going to stay put.
1: Absolutely stunning that the Minnesota Twins have had such a bad year. This was not a team that I thought was going to be winning the division because I did think that the White Sox had done enough to be the favorite there, but to be quite a few games back of the Detroit Tigers at this point is something that I also did not anticipate, as we do have Jason Reitowitz joining me on the podcast. Like the only team that's below them right now is the Kansas City Royals after they went into a free fall. But when you take a look at things moving forward on a game-by-game standpoint in baseball, is there anything that you might be taking a look at that might be a little bit more profitable than it was in the first half of the season? Because I know that a lot of people were targeting overs when we wound up seeing the crackdown on these sticky substances. And as of right now, I think we might have had one or two more unders than overs ever since and It's been relatively 50-50. Which was sort of to be expected. The bookmakers are very smart with that. In the first segment, I just talked about don't blindly bet anything, don't blindly fade anything. With that said, I do think that there's going to be a lot of instances in the second half of the year that I'm just going to be loading up on these bad teams. You can tell that the Baltimore Orioles have just packed it in. Any night that you don't see John Means taking the mound, it's probably bad news for them, and that leads to a lot of overs as well. And then obviously the Arizona Diamondbacks going and I wish I was kidding when I said this, 11 and 53 in their last 64 games. And if you bet on the other team in every one of their games so far this year, you are up $3,300 according to Odd Shark. Those are some things I'm going to be taking a look at. I don't know if you have anything that you're necessarily going to be targeting a little bit more in the second half of the season, but certainly betting against the Arizona Diamondbacks is going to be on the agenda for me.
2: Yeah, I love fading bad teams. And of course, those bad teams, they'll go to the, their A teams and they'll you know, give different pitchers a shot at trying to impress, and usually it doesn't work out so well and they're worse pitchers than the pitchers they already were pitching. So if you go and fade against those guys, those A starters for these bad teams, yeah, you're likely going to be profitable. I think the one biggest thing is I like to talk about the most, and you talked about the futures earlier, and I want to get back to that for a second, the San Diego Padres, they're third place in the NLs. They're still 53 and 40. Their percentage is 57%. They have one differential of 75, and they beat over 500 teams 28 to 21. So they have a really great record against really, really good teams. It seems like the Padres have the Dodgers number. So if it comes down to it where the Dodgers in San Diego play in a wild card game, where they play you know, in the playoffs at some point if the Giants falter and fall down, fall below. The Padres are a really good look to not only win the NL, but potentially win the World Series because, again, they're beating good teams, and it seems like they have the Dodgers number. I like the Padres. I think, obviously, that they can make some moves at the deadline for whatever they think that they need to get over the hump that could be starting pitching, of course, with Weathers not looking the sharpest right now. The Padres are a team that you can look at and say, yeah, they might be able to do enough because the Dodgers They're 20-21 and against teams over 500. They haven't been that great. Sure, they've dominated at home. They've dominated against the bad of the NLF, like the Rockies and the Diamondbacks. But they're 20-21 and against teams above 500. And they're not going to be without Trevor Bauer, for likely, I'm going to assume, for the rest of the season. The Padres seem like a really great look for the NL to win that NL. They have all the pieces, of course, offensively. They have solid pitching. And the pitching hasn't been perfect. Like, Paddock has been on and off throughout the entire season, but it just seems like they can do damage and they just perform against top tier teams. They, they perform to the level of competition and that's always a good thing when you're going in the playoffs, of course. And, and then on the other hand, you have the Astros. They're the best team in the MLB. And I know people don't want to admit it because yeah, they're cheaters, but they got a run differential of 136, 42 and 22 against 500 teams. They played the most games against 500 teams by far and they've won 42 of them. That probably means they have a better strength of schedule. Wise. I have to look at it, but I'm sure that's going to help. In the second half of the season, I'm sure their strength schedule isn't as hard. Yeah, they'll still have to play with Oakland. And Oakland, they'll be right in the playoffs with Houston, but the Astros have looked really, really good. And you don't want to admit it because they're cheaters, but they're still looking really good at home, on the road. No matter what, this team looks really good.
1: I agree with you. I do think that the Padres are going to have a nice back half of the season, and the biggest thing with the Padres is that they have a bullpen ERA that is number one in the big leagues right now. They've got so many guys that they're able to rely upon. If Blake Cell can give you anything on the road whatsoever, because he's been amazing at home, he has not been so great on the road, this is a Padres team that can ascend and we all know about that guy, Fernando Tatis Jr. He's pretty good at baseball. You know what, that Jason Radowitz guy? He's pretty good at picking games, whether it be in baseball, college basketball, football. The list goes on and on. You do a great job. You do many different things. SBR, AK, Sportsbook Review, Odds Checker US. You do some work over there at the Game Day M O B. list goes on and on. I know that you're going to be very busy towards the back half of the MLB season, and I don't know and I know that you're getting set for a great football season as well. So let the good people at home know they're able to follow you on social media and just what you've all got going on in general.
2: Yeah, so you can follow me on on Twitter at Jason underscore Radowitz. That's R A D O W I T Z. I get out my best bet for the MLB every single day. You know, I'm writing for Sportsbook Review. Also have a show there from two thirty to about three thirty from Monday through Friday, giving out best bets and analysis on really the entire MLB slate. Also, giving articles to odd checker for the MLB, another, you know, another best bet there. And you'll find me on the game day and do some basketball stuff, some some baseball stuff, and I'll be doing some football stuff with them as well. Getting a lot of work with them as well. And then, lastly, I'll be doing some college football for betting pros. So that's coming up and uh, that will start in August. So, playing my college football. On it's coming up pretty shortly. It's every single day gets closer and closer. We're really close to college football, and then once you get to college football, that means we're getting closer to college basketball. And I know Greg will be really excited about that.
1: Oh, absolutely! We are less than one hundred and fifteen days away from college basketball season starting up on my college basketball podcast, Hoopin' with Hoops. I previewed the Mid American, aka the MAC conference, today, so I'm fired up about that. I'm fired up that we have the official. First game of the second half of the baseball season today with Yankees versus Red Sox. Unfortunately, couldn't get Jason's take too much on that because, well... We don't know who's going to be starting for the New York Yankees as I record this, but Jason doing an absolutely amazing job handicapping a wide variety of things. He's going to be doing great work towards the second half of the season here in baseball and into the postseason as well. And he's kind enough to join me often on this podcast as well. So big thanks to Jason for joining me right here on the Baseball Wedding Podcast. And coming up next, even though it might be a little bit murky, I am going to give you guys my analysis and thoughts on this Boston Red Sox versus New York Yankees game for today and a little something like call touch them all
0: welcome back to the baseball betting podcast with greg peterson as we're off to a quality start and now it's time to walk it off in a grand fashion and we're
1: back here in lovely las vegas for the baseball betting podcast myself greg peterson Great to get our good buddy Jason Reitowitz of SBR, a.k.a. Sportsbook Review, on the podcast. Also doing some great work with the Game Day MLB. You're able to check him out over there at Odds Checker as well. So, man does a little bit of everything, and he does so all so well. So, big thanks to him for joining me in the last segment. Now it is that time the podcast to give you sign total on every game on the betting board for this Thursday, which is one game on the betting board for this Thursday. And a little something I
0: like to call touch them all. If a game is listed on the betting board, Greg has a side and a total on it, so it is time to touch them all.
1: I'll call this a little bit less than ideal because we've got one game on the betting board and as of right now we've got an undecided starter for the New York Yankees, but as per usual, any changes that aren't made to these plays will be listed up on my Twitter feed at JarenSquirty1, so you've got that going on as it is Yankees-Red Sox, 951-952 on the betting board. By the way, we are going in rotation order. There's one game, so it makes rotation order very easy. But you've got the Boston Red Sox on the road against the New York Yankees. Yankees have yet to settle on a starter. Meanwhile, one Eduardo Rodriguez is going to be going for the Boston Red Sox. Right now, we've got nothing on this game. But this is a spot in which, if I'm taking a look at a New York post the today, it says... Well, we've got one game, so I'm going to need to pick something from this one. It is probably going to be a look at the over, because when I take a look at this spot, Eduardo Rodriguez just has not been good this year. He's given up at least three runs and nine out of his last 11 starts. He's got a 5.52 ERA, 89 and two-thirds innings. Good news is he's been able to limit the walks. His last full season in the MLB actually led the American League in total walks. This year, 2.1 walks per nine innings, but he's given up 1.4 homers per nine innings as well. That has been a little bit of an issue. His road ERA is right around a 5.70. but if you take a look at this Yankees bullpen, over the last 14 days, they've got a north of five ERA, and just take a look at some of these guys. Chad Green winds up blowing that game against the Houston Astros. Up until that point, he had been very reliable. He just completely upchucked all over himself in that game. Aroldis Chapman is a guy that I currently have zero faith in whatsoever. His ERA is ballooned to a 4.55, and he's given up multiple runs in three out of his last four appearances. It has not went well for him. Albert Abreu is someone that I actually think might be able to give this team some good innings. I do like what I've been seeing out of him, but Wandi Peralta, Justin Wilson. These guys have recently come off the injured list. They've not been terrific out there in the bullpen and for the Boston Red Sox in the second half of the year, I am expecting a little bit of regression with this bullpen as well. Hector Kazu Salamona has been very good for the team. Garrett Woodlock has been amazing buck 44 ERA. I don't think that he's going to have his ERA to 5 or anything like that, but I don't think he's going to be able to maintain a buck 44. Brandon Workman is someone that I don't necessarily have a lot of faith in, so you've got a lot of that going on. And Matt Barnes in the All-Star Game had a very, very hairy ending to say the least. And then when you take a look at the Boston Red Sox, this is an offense that all of a sudden has been able to match. J.D. Martinez along Xander Bogarts. pair of guys hitting north of a 295. pair of guys with 14 plus homers. Xander Bogarts, only player in the All-Star Game a few days ago, to give multiple legs, Alex Verdugo hitting right around 280 with a 345 on base. Hunter Renfro, Christian Vasquez, along with Christian Arroyo, all guys hitting between a 261 and a 265. So, Bottom of the lineup has been producing for this team. And for the Yankees, they've gotten a couple pieces back. Luke Voigt, who wound up leading the league in home runs in 2020, granted a shorted 2020. He's been able to pick it up a little bit for this team after coming off the injured list. You have a trio of guys hitting between a 270 and a 275 in Giancarlo Stanton, Gio Urshela, and DJ LeMay. Klayber just has not been himself so far this year. 3 home runs and 280 at bats not necessarily the world's greatest power hitter to start with, but you just expect a whole heck of a lot more than that out of Torres. You can tell that he's not necessarily been right. Perhaps the all-star break was able to help him out a little bit. And then you take a look at Clint Frazier, or Brett Gardner, or Rudad Odor, or Aaron X who is probably going to be injured for quite a while for this team. Kyle Ligashioka got a lot of guys are under a 200 but a lot of these guys have been relegated out of the lineup and I know that Gary Sanchez did not wind up having the world's best lineup two weeks going into the all-star break, but in the month of June, actually hit above a 3-iron, so you've got a little bit of something there. I do take a look at this spot, and if it winds up being Eduardo Rodriguez against someone like a Nestor Cortez, for example, because I know that he wound up getting a start last Friday, you got to figure that he'd be on regular rest, and I would anticipate the Yankees giving him more starts. He actually looked very good in that start against the Houston Astros. He winds up giving up no runs of 4 and 2 thirds innings. His previous start against the Mets, 3 and in third innings, he gives up one run overall for the the year is right around a buckle five ERA. I'd probably be saying the Red Sox as right around a minus 130-ish favorite because the Red Sox in all six games this year against the Yankees, they've been able to win all of them. They've scored at least four runs in all six of these games as well, at least five runs in all but one of them as well. Now, the Yankees have been held down a little bit with the scoring, but I do think that the bats are going to break out. So if I'm looking at a New York Post play of the day as of right now, I'm going to be taking a look at an over. And like I said, if it winds up being something like Cortez versus Eduardo Rodriguez, we'll be saying the Red Sox right around a minus-130 favorite. Obviously, a little bit subject to change, unfortunately. We don't have overly much on the betting board today, but we should have a whole heck of a lot more tomorrow. And I know that our man Jason Reitowitz over there at SBR AK Sportsbook Review, he's going to be breaking down all of that. Big thanks, him for joining me in the last segment. If you like what you're hearing from this fine podcast, you're able to subscribe to the Baseball Wedding Podcast with Greg Peterson, wherever you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and Junior. if you have a question, comment, segment, idea, whatever you for this podcast, you got one or two ways we offer those in. First one is my Twitter timeline, at your 41. Keep in mind the other ZM they mean does not matter, so as per usual, send these into the timeline. Other ways, find an Apple podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. Then from there, everybody about saying your questions, comments, segment ideas, what have you, into there. Hopefully you guys are all doing well. Hopefully you guys enjoyed the All-Star break. Baseball games on a regular day-to-day basis are back and we get the full compliment tomorrow. So I'll be with you guys then, as I will be every single day throughout the baseball season. Thank you so much for tuning in.